For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good morning, everyone. Wow, it's great to see so many people here. I'm really happy about it. We have two people here for the first time. Kevin was, he still is here, is uh, on Zoom, and he's Zooming in for the first time at Ancient Dragon. And Becky here in the Zendo has been here for Zazen instruction, but this is the first time she's sat. Zazen and Zendo have been here for a Dharma talk, so welcome. It's good to see you. Uh, maybe that's unfortunate because I have to give a disclaimer, and that is that when I woke up this morning, I decided to give a Dharma talk that's different from the one I've been planning on all week. So, uh, as I said before, my name is Douglas, Douglas Floyd. I am one of the two Tantos of Ancient Dragons and Games. We are the Tanto is Director of Practice. And so, Nancy Easton, my co-tanto, and I are responsible for practice understood pretty broadly, but especially practice, all the elements of practice in the Zendo. And we are responsible for uh, instruction or training in um, and oversight of an encouragement of proper performance of the Zendo forms and the ceremonies. And I, that being the case, I decided I would give another talk, another Tanto talk, uh, on the service. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I gave a talk on sort of nuts and bolts of, of the service and some of the forms. So this is when you hold your hands in Gasha. Here's when you hold your hands in Shasha. Here's when you turn to face the altar. Here's when you turn to face the middle of the Zendo. Here's when you perform a prostration. Here's how you perform a prostration. And that's not the practice for today, the talk for today. And it's not really, I'd been thinking about giving a talk about how the service works, how it's structured, and, and, and what's going on in the service in the sense of the content of the service. And it has some, significance for the talk of today, because the, the service is really uh, a, an expression of, it's not only, but it is an expression of appreciation and joy and gratitude in our receipt of an understanding of, of the Dharma, our awakened mind, and our our commitment to share those with all beings. But I wanted to talk instead about, about the forms and especially the services, just in perf the performance, how they're a continuation of our awakening in activity. Sort of the practice realization of complete enlightenment that Dogen talks about in his essay, uh, Recommendation of Zen, 
the Fukanza Zinke recommendation of Zazen. And um, to explain that, I'll go back a little bit to Fukanza Zenki. The idea, you know, it, it's based on the fundamental understanding that during an, an enormous, a great part of our life, we are caught up in, in enveloped by deluded thoughts and emotions, uh, desires, judgments, um, all of which are based on this misconceived sense of ourselves as separate people in, outside of the world. We interact with the world, but it's out there, and we come to the world not just from that understanding, but because of that understanding, we come to it with constantly evaluating the world. As of, each moment is unsatisfactory. We come to it with our likes and dislikes, our judgments as good or bad or right or wrong. And we feel um, all sorts of distress as a result of that, and unease we feel uh, as a result of things not being the way we like. We feel threatened by the world, we're unsatisfied by the world. Um, we feel um, constant neediness and frustration and anxiety. So Dogen, Dogen comes to us with a message about Zazen as awakening from and liberation from that way of engaging with our life. And he does that in Fukuoka Zazen Gidman, talking about Zazen at length. He talks about, you know, he goes into great, goes to great lengths talking about the physical form of Zazen. We're sitting up straight, not moving with our legs crossed and our eyes cast down at an angle and breathing in normal fashion, uncontrolled fashion. And then we become engaged, we engage in what he calls non-thinking. It's different from thinking, it's different from not thinking, non-thinking. It's about, there are thoughts that come and go in our minds and we don't attempt to control them. They simply arise and fall. And when we do that, we let go of that, all those thoughts and emotions and judgments and desires, we let go of like and dislike, good and bad, right and wrong, and so on. That leads us to, that it is in itself a liberation. And, and Dogen talks about um, his images of Zazen as liberation from cages and, and nets and snares. That when we drop off that, that cloud of, of thinking and feeling, emotions, desires, judgments that, that really we carry with us all the time, we step out of a cage, we step out of a net, and we are liberated from those things, and we are liberated to um, an, a different awareness of our position in the world. A position we step into uh, what Thomas Clary calls objective, 
reality of what Dogen calls um, the mind before your parents was before, which is a reference to an old koan teaching story. And that world is very different from the world in which we are outside, outside of everything that's going on. And so, the, so that everything is in some way either satisfying us, evaluated entirely on whether it's satisfying us or threatening us. And we wake up to this world that's interconnected, interdependent, interactive, all these inters that lead uh, the Vietnamese teacher Thich Nhat Hanh to call this universe, this world, this all-encompassing world that we find ourselves in, as interbeing. And um, that vision uh, of, of awakening in that way, what Dogen calls the practice realization of complete enlightenment, is not just something that we experience or experience, that we engage in on the cushion. Dogen insists that our life, our awakening, awakened life can't be limited to the cushion. It must be carried on in our activities throughout our life. And he talks about um, that especially uh, in his essay on instructions to the cook, the Tenzo Kyokun, where he talks about in a way that's very similar to Zazen, his instructions for Zazen, about the work that the head cook in a monastery would do, where in performing the work, um, the head cook takes, you know, he, he, uh, he uses a phrase very similar to what he uses in Fukan Zazengi, with which is that to give, to engage in non-thinking, we take a backward step from our thoughts, emotions, likes and dislikes, desires, and we shine the light, with, light within, and we free ourselves from the, all of those mental events and open to the world and our position in the world. Dogen, in his instructions to the cook, says that when you're performing your tasks, that's what you do. You take that backward step and then you, you wholeheartedly engage in the task at hand with a, with big mind or magnanimous mind, this open, encompassing mind that, um, doesn't discriminate uh, in favor of one thing or another in the, a joyful mind. That uh, is buoyant and grateful for for this experience of awakening the teaching, and um, a nurturing mind, a parental mind, which is taking care of not only people who people who might be affected by our performance of our tasks, but by taking care of the things that we interact with, sort of. Um, bringing them to their highest potential, working with them. So when we, so when we're cooking and we're using the pots, we clean the, after we use the pots, we clean the pots, we put them where they belong. When we are preparing a cabbage leaf, 
to put it in soup for a meal. We deal with it carefully, attentively, uh, and work wholeheartedly, chopping, shredding, cooking. And in doing that, in working with that cabbage leaf, he says that the body of Buddha, the body, the whole world, is manifested as the cabbage leaf. But he's also clear that working with the cabbage leaf, working with the stalk of any vegetable, piece of any vegetable in the same way, results in the manifestation of the body of the Buddha as us, as me, as the cook who's working with it. And that has been uh, a focus of Dogen's teaching in the teaching of Soto Zen sense. In our daily life, our daily life is a practice of Nibitsu no That as we uh, live, we address each thing we, we encounter, the people we encounter, each situation we encounter, carefully, attentively, wholeheartedly from an attitude of caring, taking care of the things, the people, the situations, and bringing them into their highest potential and to harmony and ease. Uh, also, uh, something I want to be clear about as well is that when Dogen talks about taking the backward step, either on the cushion or, or working in the kitchen or working elsewhere in our lives, if we wake up to this objective reality, fundamental reality, your original face, and Buddha would be another way to describe it, it's not some sort of abstract vision of, oh, everything is one, everything is is uh, multiple things and one thing together and so on. It is a dropping of views along with all the other thoughts to face the world and face this, uh, face the things, face the situations before us right now. He's not saying that in, in that way we work with the things and the people in these situations and manifest ourselves and allow those other things to manifest themselves as the body of the The world has become a we and an us rather than a me and a let us leave for me and, and a Jerry, me and a Becky, and so on. And we're not walking around thinking about this, constantly about this vastness that I'm going to I'm not going to uh, deal with Jerry as, oh, she and I are part of the vast Buddha. It is simply opening up uh, and, and addressing, engaging with Jerry with an open mind, an inclusive mind, and working with her wholeheartedly in a caring way in a harmonious way. So we are uh, who we are, what our life is, is entire is a relationship, it's an interaction. It's not that I act in 
in response to something else, or I enter a relation. There is no ever a separate I that then has a relationship with another thing. There is only a relation, there is only interactivity, and I am an aspect of that interactivity and that relationship. So what I, I want to suggest is the same is true for our performance of forms and performance of the service. Although it's actually maybe easier to perceive it, easier to have this sense of us as this interactive, relational act activity in which we manifest ourselves as part of this situation, as part of Buddha. Because we, it's collective action in which we are engaging with other people harmonizing with other people, responding to other people who are being active. So um, when we participate, when we in the Zendo forums, for example, uh, there's a great deal of bowing. And the bowing sure has some metaphorical significance, maybe. Uh, you know, when a thought that I am bowing to the Buddha nature in, in the other person, but it is also just a recognition that of being here in this relationship, being here in this interrelational activity. So we are bowing to each other, recognizing each other uh, attentively, wholeheartedly not holding back, and both manifesting ourselves as the body of the Buddha. So if I'm sitting on my cushion and Mike Evans comes in, bows to his cushion, turns and bows to the room, and we bow to each other, we are both enabling the other and ourselves to manifest as the body of the Buddha, as reality, as this encompassing reality as it stands right here. The rest of the of the um, service uh, is the same. We are um, acting together in harmony collectively. We hold our hands in gasho at the same time, we hold our hands in shashu at the same time, we turn to face the altar at the same time, we bow at the same time, we turn to face the room at the same time, we uh, perform prostrations at the same time. And that activity together is an emphasis for us. We are constantly aware of that going on and how that enables and, and of our activity with the other. We, and um, I want to suggest to you that for that to be true, for us to be able to benefit from the service and benefit from the awakening in the activity of the service, we have to do this, we have to perform wholeheartedly. But we have to perform um, without getting obsessive about it. If you simply participate in the service in a half-hearted manner, then you aren't going to open yourself 
to this experience of being part of this situation, part of this reality, part of this interactive, interrelated moment and situation. On the other hand, if you are worried about, really worried about doing everything absolutely perfectly and avoiding mistakes, doing it right, this is what Zen is about. It is performing ceremonies perfectly. Then once again, you're caught up in this gaining idea that I have to perform this perfectly to, in order to be a good Buddhist. In order, and I'm going to perform this perfectly in order to have this experience. But in doing that, you wrap yourself up again in like and dislike, right and wrong desire to become a good student, desire to have the right experience of, of the forms and the service and so on. You have to let that go. Take the backward step. Let your mind flow as it's going to flow. Leave it alone. Don't try to manipulate it. Don't try to focus it. Don't try to control it. And simply perform Perform the bows, perform the prostrations, perform the chant. And in doing that, with attention to the form, attention to the other people in the room, you are manifesting yourself as the body of the Buddha. In, this, in, in the same vein, the emphasis is on this activity together. And so when we chant, we blend and we pay attention to the chant, both to our, our own voices, but the voices of other people. If you can't hear the other people because you're chanting so loud, soften it in order to blend with the other people. You're acting together and in harmony with people. Um, I think, um, and be, perform wholeheartedly. Don't hold back. Don't hold back because you're afraid you're going to get it wrong. The point of the service and our awakening in the, in the service is not a matter of getting the part of the service, the forms of the service down perfectly. It is about wholehearted participation with the others in harmony harmonious way. Pay attention to what others are doing and do that with them. And in doing that, we all form this, express this body of the Buddha. We become a practice body in the Zendo. And, ex and experience the awakening that we carry from the Zendo into our work and that we will then experience again at home when we sit on the cushion once again. So I think what I want to leave with is this idea of a life, a life of constant awakening, moment by moment, awakening from delusion, awakening to reality is just this, just awakening to this moment. Just say when we do Zen. It's not awakening to some great fundamental transcendent 
truth, the reality for is awakening to this place, this moment, and your role, your position in that moment and as part of this moment. When you're performing work, it is being in this moment, answering the telephone, uh, using your computer in the keypad, or it's working in the kitchen, chopping vegetables, cooking vegetables, whatever. And in the Zendo, it's simply being part of the Zendo, being part of the congregation as we perform this harmonious collective activity. I'm going to leave it there. I'm sure people will have something to say. Thank you. Please, uh, people in the Zendo can raise your hands. People online can either raise their hands and David will see them, or you can raise the, you can use the, which is it, the uh, reactions button to raise your hand with the icon. David. I have a question. Thank you very much for that talk. So my question is about the form of the service and the way that it, the way that it looks and is as opposed to some other way that it might be, right? Cause it, in some ways it like, like so many rituals, right? Looks like it derives from, um, you know, animal sacrifice, um, right? There's, there's an altar and things get, get offered up and there are a lot, it seems like there are a lot of world, religion rituals that are like that and have that structure. But but there are other rituals too. Like I used to attend a pagan ritual where we did a lot of dancing to a tambourine and put pieces of fruit in each other's mouth. And that has a really different feel to it. So my question is how much or how little do, do you think the this particular form of service, you know, is um is essential, is important, and is expressive of this tradition. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, it could be for animal sacrifice, it could be also sacrifices of other products, traditionally grains and alcoholic beverages and things like that. I guess, in a sense, you could say that um, the forms are, in a sense, they're arbitrary. There could be other forms. They're not arbitrary because uh, in the sense that they do, um, we've inherited, while these are foreign forms, they've come to us from Japan with some adaptation. We're familiar with altars. We are familiar with bows, even if we're not familiar, most of us, with doing prostrations. But they do help to create an attitude of appreciation in respect and gratitude, but I don't think that the they are doing at all the, the forms of service are they are not a service which is saying please a uh, great one above us perform some benefit. Um, notwithstanding the fact that we do ask 
for all enlightened beings to extend the true compassion and luminous wisdom. So that's, a, that's an interesting formulation because they already have. <laughs> and, so, and we we have this luminous mirror wisdom which has not been uncovered. So there there's that. Um, so I think they're arbitrary, but they're effective, and it can be very moving. That's I I, I also do want to give a talk on that sort of thing. Another time to talk another time about how the elements of the service, the phases of the service, how they express this celebration of our, our awakening, our, our capacity to awaken, our actual experience of awakening in this moment, the, of the having stepped back from this, these attachment, the attachment aversion and deluded thinking that we experience so much of the time, that we experience gratitude at the teaching that's allowed to us to experience this and gratitude for this experience itself and the sort of buoyancy and relief that we put down this anxiety and frustration and um, meetings and then how we are willing to share, or this is, a, I'm giving the thought, we're willing to share this, to, trans, to transfer, to share this teaching and this experience with all beings. And then finally at the end, we invoke all the great Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and bow, expressing our appreciation, our veneration, our respect and gratitude. But what we need to understand, you know, and, and that is, is really repellent to many people. They view that sort of thing and frustrations to the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and the figures for some sort of abasement. But I think that it's, um, that's also uh, a misunderstanding. It's an expression of, of appreciation for a, a capacity to awake and an actual awakening that we share with Andrashri, Prince Andrashri and Shakyamuni Buddha is the, is the personification of awakened and awakened activity in compassion and teaching. Um, throughout Buddhist history, it, whether or not people were skeptical about the actual existence of Buddhism, the great Buddhas and Mahasattvas as beings that exist in the same way that this chair does or this lectern does, people have understood that, that the activity of awakening and compassion and equanimity and um, beneficial action, non-harming, ethical activity generally, um, friendliness, kindness, all of those are aspects of our awakened mind which are within us. It will be expressed by us. And if you believe in, in the literal existence of the Buddhism and the Bodhisattvas, you can understand those aspects of ourselves and our awakened mind is the activity of the Buddhism and Bodhisattvas or you can see the Buddhas and the Bodhisattvas as personifications of that potential that we have as part of our awakening. 
the expressions in your own. Anyway, so I'm not going to give that talk now. Um, Vicky and Tygan have, in the meantime, raised their hand. Sure. Who raised first? Vicky. Vicky, would you, what's your, yeah. Good morning. Thank you, Douglas. Um, thank you so much for mentioning um, the backward step. And there was just a couple of things that came up while you were speaking about that. One was um, entering the uh, the hall, sitting with others in Sangha, you know, bodily and on Zoom. It's It feels like as you were speaking, um, everyone sitting together in silence was kind of a form of the backward step. Um, and then I think of, I grew up with animals, lots of dogs and cats and horses and rabbits. And I had this image of being with my dogs, especially one named Zeus, and um, going into kind of loud situations or maybe meeting another dog. Zeus was always so good at just kind of taking a little step back. He wasn't one to rush into things. And um, I'm trying to get lessons from this, you know, these things that are coming up because I still work with the backward step and kind of thinking about what is that backward step. But um, right now it feels like one aspect of backward step is um, not to go with that first impulse to a situation that feels like um, you need, you know, for me to, to like step in quickly. It's like the backward step is more like Zeus did or like we do in together sitting silently. It's just um, recognizing that that um, collective pause and yet that pause is so active. It's like um, just allowing more of more awareness of, of the presence that's here of everything we can't see to be also part. Yeah. So that came up as you've spoken. Thank you. Thank you. That's very helpful. Tygen, and I want to be conscious of time, so maybe you need to be the last one. Thank you. Thank you, Douglas, for your talk. Um, I, I want to respond to David Ray, who talked about our forms and as being kind of sacrifice. Um, well, maybe, but I think of it more as we're making offerings. So the doshi, the priest officiating, uh, is making offerings for all of us. We're, we're offering our practice. We're offering everything that Nikki just said, our, our, our awareness and not rushing in. But um, we, we offer incense, flowers, light, uh, vows. So the spirit of that is, as Douglas said, gratitude or gratefulness. So just so all of these, all of our forms in the Zendo, all of the forms of service are our way of expressing um, together, as Douglas said, uh, gratitude and offering. And then, and then we also, as Douglas said, invoke Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and, uh, and the ancestors as a kind of uh, support for uh, this practice of offering and gratitude. So I uh, just, just wanted to throw that in. Thank you.